Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. This semester, we have been in a series called Verses That Changed Our Lives. Each week, we will hear from one of our staff members about a set of verses that completely changed them. Today, Duncan concludes our series by talking about Acts chapter 16. There is joy to be found in suffering for Christ. This message was recorded on November 17, 2022 at the Columbine Suites at the UC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. Just Jake. Oh, hello. (laughs) Hello from the happy holidays. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, how's it going? I know, we, yeah, d- we didn't plan this. Actually. I know. The one time. Ooh. I know. Well, how, are, how is everyone? Woo! Thank you. A little, a little enthusiasm. I mean, goodness we gracious. We got a small crowd tonight. That's okay. okay. That just means small we need to be mighty. louder. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about some announcements. So let's get that first slide up there. Woo! So we got our upcoming Christmas party formal. Woo! Right? Now, now I don't know about y'all. I really enjoy putting on a suit, all right? I really, lo- I enjoy dressing up a little bit. What about you, honey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you it's a lot of work if you're a girl. That's true. I, really, I, I just put on a suit and comb my hair, and I'm good to go. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. But, yeah, we're having a Christmas formal, so this is the last official Chi Alpha service. Boo. Um, in this room. But... Yes, we won't have Chi Alpha next week because we're all going to get fat on turkeys. Mm, uh, and ham. <laughs> ham is better. And ham. Ham is better. Uh, but the week after is our last official gathering where we're going to celebrate the year together, reflect on some things, maybe sing, sing some Christmas hymns. Uh, Ooh, yeah. This is not a high school dance. There's so. no dancing necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, this worry. will be a time of just celebrating and getting really dressed up together. That's right. It's going to be a great time. It'll be at the Vineyard Church. That's right. Just let you know where Agape Feast was, that's where this is going to be. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be some food. So let's just, you know, be excited for that, too. We got a really awesome committee of fellow students that are doing a really good job planning. Right on. All right. Next one. What we got? What we got? Next slide. Woo! Oh, we got salt! Yeah, we have our Rocky Mountain Salt. Oh, it's going to be legit. It's going to be awesome. So it's pretty much a retreat where we're going to spend uh, several days together, actually, not just the weekend. Yeah, and so we're going to spend time together with the Chi Alphas from Colorado, all of Colorado, and also Wyoming's going to be there. Oh, okay. So we're going to spend some time with our brothers and sisters, and it's going to be a time of fellowship. The cost is 185 but please don't let that be the reason oh, that you don't me. come. Because the Lord provided for our missions offering, which Jake's going to get to that That's right. here in, in a little second. bit. In a little bit. But the Lord provided for our missions offering, and he is going to provide for every one of us to be able to go to SALT. So right. do not let money be the issue. So let, let, me, let, me, let me explain this for you. I've been going to SALT for about 12 years now because I'm old. This is not only the cheapest SALT that I have ever been to. They're usually over $200. So the meals are included, the lodging is included, and there's so many activities. Like, do you have some off the top of your head that are included in this? Uh, 
they had like an obstacle course. They had game rooms. They had. I think there was archery and axe throwing. Yeah, archery and. <laughs> so there's there's everything. Like we'll be at the YMCA in Estes Park, which is way nicer than you're thinking. Surrounded by elk, it'll be beautiful. Yeah, it's gonna be a steal of a deal, and the only reason you're not gonna go is if you don't want to. Like money is not the issue. You can ask for part of it for Christmas. Right? I'm serious. Like, you can go give plasma twice and you have the money. Yeah. Like, literally, the only reason money is not an excuse, we can raise money to help with this. The only reason you're not going to go is if you don't want to. That's true. That's right. Trust me, you're going to have a serious case of FOMO if you don't go. That's true. Oh, that rhymed. Yeah, we got the QR code if y'all want to scan that. We'll be posting on our social media more stuff, too. Yeah. All right, next one. Oh, yeah. The missions ah. offering. The missions offering. We more than doubled what we did last year, okay? $5,771.24. Okay? That is, om- that is incredible, okay? Mm-hmm. How about, what is there, like maybe 80 of us, right, at, at most? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Well done. Thank you, Jesus, for providing. Oh, that's incredible. And I cannot wait to see the video of, the, of when the missionaries get that money. That is going to be incredible. So good job. Thank you so much for sacrificially giving to the Lord. That is an incredible form of worship. So thank you for that. All right, next one. Missions trips. Missions trips. Right? So if you, in case you weren't here last week, we are going to the Hills Church in Denver over spring break. We're going to the University of Arizona Chi Alpha, which is where I went to school. My home. Although I'm not leading it, that's CJ. A little jealous. It's incredible. I'm a little biased. Queens College, New York. New York, New York. That's going to be awesome working with the Chi Alpha there, surrounded by inc- like hundreds of people groups that have never heard Jesus. Right? Then we got our summer trips. We're going to Costa Rica again, yeah. which is going to be fire for two weeks. And then we have limited spots on this. Limited spots. So don't get your hopes. Don't, don't get crushed if you don't get to go. In a sensitive but area. It's in a very sensitive area, so don't be posting about Morocco on social media. Please don't. Okay? Because missionaries could get kicked out of there because of that. But we're going to Morocco. Okay? We're going to Morocco. It's going to be awesome. So that's right. So Lord willing, you'll get to go. And if not, well, then I guess he, he has better plans. So praise God. All right. What else we got? Is that, is that it? We have applications, and those are due, which... They are due December 3rd, December which, is dur- 3rd. which is the day that you have missions training, which is required if you want to go on a missions trip. 100%. So please get all of those applications in. When I say all of those, I mean also your small group leader needs yeah. to do an application or do a referral. reference, a yeah. referral for you too. So yeah, pray, fill out the application, and get in all of your references. It's going to be a blast. So it's going to be great. Thank you, Peter. Um, all right, I think we got the offering. We got the offering. Last but not so, least. So last but not least, and from what we've seen last week, we know the Lord can provide, right? We know, and I know some, I know most of us were stretched in giving. It doesn't matter how big or how small it was, right? Jesus himself said about the widow with the two half pennies when she donated that she gave more than all. Everyone else who gave abund- abundantly in quantity because she gave everything, Right? So it doesn't matter how much we can give. The Lord just wants our hearts. He doesn't need our money, right? But Jesus said, wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Mm -hmm. So I challenge all of us to continue in that spirit that we did last week, right? To continue to give because everything that we give tonight goes right back to everyone here. 
All the events we're going to do, the Christmas formal, things like that, all of that is provided from y'all and from all of us. So thank you, Jesus, for that. I'm going to pray, and uh, feel free to give as the Lord leads. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you so much for this semester and everything that you've done in us and through us. God, and to us, in spite of us. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to all of us. God, that you would move our hearts to give as you have given abundantly. Lord Jesus, and that we would do it all for joy and all for love for you. May you be glorified, Lord, and may we worship you in this way. We love you in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Well, last but certainly not least, we got the man of the hour. Oh, yeah. We got my neighbor and, you, and our campus pastor, my, my good friend, Duncan Chance. Yeah. Well, what's up, guys? You guys made it in the snow. That's amazing. So the only person that's happy that it's snowing outside is Jake Holiday. So <laughs> he's like, more snow, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, welcome. Good to see you guys. Welcome to the last part of our series, Verses That Changed Our Lives. Welcome to the last one. Man, it's been a good series, right? You guys, man, we took a break from it last week. We had missions uh, week last week with Mark Renfro, right? And, and he just, he sent a little note. He was just blown away, not only by how much you guys gave, but how much, how responsive you guys were to the call to missions. And he can't wait to come back and visit, which is pretty cool. Um, but with that being said, oh, we lost our visual there, Jake Holiday. <laughs> um with that being said, make sure you get those applications in. Uh, we're, you know, sometimes people are like, man, I, I can't go because how, how in the world can I? I can't even visit grandma in Texas. How am I going to go to Morocco, right? How am I going to go to Costa Rica? How's that going to work? We're going to train you how to raise money, okay? We're going to train you how to do it. We've been doing missions now for four years, and we've never left anyone behind because they weren't able to raise money. Okay, a hundred. Just think about that. A hundred percent of people who have applied to go on missions have gone. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. I think we can do this again, right? So come December third. Uh, turn in your application before then. Uh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and it's going to go quick. And you're going to be an expert fundraiser after that, right? You guys are excited. So don't be in here next week because everybody's going to be. By the way, turkey's not the best part of Thanksgiving. I mean, essentially, Thanksgiving is just like turkey and casseroles, right? And cranberry sauce, right? It's okay. It's okay. But, uh, yeah, I like stuffing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my favorite. Depends on the stuffings. Yeah. Pie's all right. Yeah. Take it or leave it. But, uh, and then the week after that, Christmas formal. Yeah. And then a uh, week after that, y'all have finals. So uh, y'all better be studying for that. <laughs> so... Tonight, we are going to end our series on verses that changed our lives. We've heard from a lot of staff members this semester. We've heard uh, how the Lord has used the Word of God to change their lives. So we believe that the Bible is God's Word, right? You guys believe that with me? You guys with me on that? It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I've been a Christian now for 21 years, and I can read the same Scripture one year as the next year, and, and the Lord will, will show me something new and something different. And it's really incredible how the Word of God does that. Isn't it interesting that sometimes you're going through a hard time and you'll flip to a verse, and you're just like, Lord, I'm looking for some inspiration, 
and 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 it's just there and you're like and then you go get a tattoo of that verse right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah cj <laughs> so tonight i want to end our series by a set of verses that really transform the way i look at my walk with jesus so yes it, it changed my life but it also changed how i see ministry how i see missions and actually it was through reading this set of verses that we're going to read tonight that I actually ended up in the state of Colorado. <laughs> you guys know it's part of my story. I shared it at the very beginning of the semester when we were out at the outdoor theater, but I'm originally from Texas, and why in the world would I leave the great country of Texas to go to the land of the heathen, Colorado, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but we're going to look at this set of verses that changed my life and changed my perspective, and my prayer is this going to change your life tonight too. My prayer is that you leave this room tonight completely changed. So tonight, we're going to look at the life of Paul, but not his entire life. We're going to look at something very specific about Paul. You guys know what I'm saying when I say Paul, right? Paul the Apostle. Now, there's a lot of things that we know about Paul, not only from Scripture, but from history. We know that he was the first missionary Right, we just got off a missions week. We know that he was the first missionary of the church that went beyond Jerusalem into the, the land of the Gentiles. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. So the rest of the apostles were really, they, they wanted their fellow Jews to know that Jesus was the promised Messiah. But Paul took it a step further by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he went to the land of the non-Jew. And he started telling people that Jesus is for the whole world. And so Paul's an incredible guy. He lived an incredible life. Most of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, he actually lived, uh, so, sometimes his life was actually pretty hard. So like we, we learned that he wrote the New Testament, but actually, did you know he also spent a lot of time in prison? He was imprisoned for the sake of Christ. Um, and let me tell you that still to this day, Christians are imprisoned for the sake of Christ, still to this day. What was happening 2,000 years ago when this was written, what we're going to read tonight, the same thing is still happening today. You guys know that we have Christian brothers and sisters that are sitting in jail right now. They're sitting in prison with nothing but the Spirit of God. <laughs> and when you have the Spirit of God, you have everything, right? Sometimes they feel like they're in the minority, right? They feel like, well, I'm in like a 99% Muslim country and I'm in the minority. How could I ever make a difference? But sometimes we forget that you plus God is a majority, right? You guys with me? Okay. So let's dig into this. I want to look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So we're going to read this and uh, I'm going to start reading and I'm going to, I'm going to pause a few times because there's some nuggets. Okay. We got to, we got to chew on some nuggets here. And yeah, yeah, that's right. So we're going to start in verse 1. You can put that up there. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It says this. It says, Paul came also, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. We're not going to get into the why tonight. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> That's weird. Every time I preach, there's something about circumcision. I don't know. Why does this always happen? I don't know. What? <laughs> wow. All right, let's, let's continue. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took 
took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided on by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now, I want to stop there because there's something really incredible here. This is the first part of this verse that really changed the way I see things. We cannot pass what we just read up. Um, Did you notice that Paul and his company were stopped from going into places? Weird, right? (laughs) Well, Jesus, you want us to go to the ends of the earth. You want us to spread the gospel everywhere. But in what we just read, the Holy Spirit stopped Paul and his disciple or his followers, his companions, from going into certain places. Why in the world would, would the Spirit of God do that? Um, what I love about Paul, this Jewish hater of Christians who was saved and called by Jesus to be his representative to the farthest reaches of the world we see that his steps are completely guided by God himself. The Holy Spirit stopped Paul from going into certain places. Now, theologians have had a field day with this over the centuries. We cannot, you know, we we can still debate to this day on why God stopped Paul from going into certain places. You know, maybe maybe it's because they would have been killed immediately. (laughs) Maybe the, if they would have gone to these certain places, maybe the gospel would have fallen on deaf ears and it would have been a waste of time. We just don't know. All we know is that they were going, and as they were going, the Spirit of Jesus stopped them from going into certain places. Now, what I love about this is this, is that Paul already was moving for God to direct his steps. He was already moving. Some of us like to do this. We like to sit around and we like to wait for God to give us all the details, right? Like we know that we have a mandate from Jesus. We know that he has told us to make disciples of all nations, right? We, we know that he's told us to preach the gospel to all creation. And sometimes we will not obey that unless we have all the details. Lord, how am I going to fund this? How am I, I going to get there? Who am I going to go with? What time of year should I go? What should I wear? What airline should I fly? Should I go now? Should I wait 30 years? Maybe I should wait till I'm married. Right? We, we, we have all these conditions, but Paul already had a commandment. You guys see this? Like, why do we look for a calling when we already have a commandment? You see that? If the door is open, walk through it. And if you're going to make a misstep, God will stop you. If you're going to make a wrong decision, he will guide your steps. If you're not supposed to go into this part of the world, God will close that door. Do you see that? Years ago, me and a bunch of friends from Texas were asked to move to Colorado to start Chi Alpha. Because at the time, there were no Chi Alphas in the entire state. You know that I didn't really pray about it? A lot of Christians like to say that when they're asked to do something, when they're asked to go on a mission trip, they're like, I need to pray about this. I want to challenge you a little bit. Do you? (laughs) Do you? You have a commandment to go. 
And if you love Jesus, if you know that he's with you, you know, the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus promises that he's going to be with you always until the end of the age. Why in the world would he let you make a misstep? Right? Just go. Right? Like you can turn a moving car. <laughs> Does that make sense? So Paul and his companions were uh, stopped from going. To, okay, that's not really what we're going to focus on, but I just wanted to throw that out there. As you guys are thinking about missions, I want to challenge you to just go. And if God doesn't want you to go, he'll just close the door. And, 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 and we're not going to be upset with you. <laughs> of course not. We're not going to think less of you if you don't go, because we're just going to trust that you were going to go, but God closed the door, okay? So let's keep reading. Acts 16. It says, It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men... These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or observe, being Romans. Verse 22, The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So Paul and Silas, obedient missionaries to the Most High God and the risen Lord Jesus, were thrown into jail for delivering a woman of a demon. That's exactly what happened. Now, before we proceed, it is necessary to say this. Pay attention. What we just read is normal Christianity. I want to make that very clear. What we just read is normal Christianity. This is the normal Christian life. Followers of Christ, with a commandment from Jesus, sharing the good news to the end of the earth, and instead of the locals making a statue in their honor and welcoming them, welcoming them into their city, instead these missionaries are thrown in jail. Well, that doesn't seem very fair, does it? These guys were just being obedient to Jesus, and they were beaten and jailed for it. It sounds like these guys got a bad deal. But this brings us to, to our first point tonight, and you can write this down. It says, in living out the normal Christian life, the unacceptance of the gospel is guaranteed. In living out the normal Christian life, the unacceptance of the gospel is guaranteed. Have you noticed that not everyone you share the gospel with accepts it right away? Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's a shocker, right? You small group leaders have been fishing all semester. In fact, I want to make the case that probably most people you share the gospel with do not accept it. In the normal Christian life, the unacceptance of the gospel is guaranteed. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he actually tells his disciples that this is going to happen. You can put this up there. John 15, 18 through 21 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
If you are of the world, the world will love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this world hates you. Remember the word that I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. So if the world hates Jesus, they will hate his followers too. They will hate his message of repentance and salvation and forgiveness. They will hate you without a cause because they love their sin. Now, this is a hard teaching, but we cannot expect to be accepted everywhere we go. We are a peculiar people. Now, Leonard Ravenhill said it this way. I love Ravenhill. He said this. He's talking about Jesus. He says, and there was no room for Jesus in the inn. He got a bit older. There was no room for him in his family. His family turned on him. He went to the temple. No room in the temple. The temple turned on him. And when he, when he died, there was no room to bury him. He died outside the city. Well, why in God's name do you expect to be accepted everywhere? How, how is it that the world couldn't get on with the holiest man that ever lived, but can get on with you and me? Now, am I saying that everyone is going to hate you? No. Am I saying that it's us versus them? Certainly not. The world is not our enemy. Let me say that again. The world is not our enemy. The world is not our enemy. We don't battle against people. We don't battle against flesh and blood. People are not our enemy. And, and you can write this down. As a Christian, you have no human enemy. You have no human enemy. If you do, you need to forgive them and repent of that. And maybe we'll have some time tonight for that. <laughs> we do not battle against people. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians do. There are a lot of churches that, that point fingers at others and say, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, I'm right, I'm right. Don't, don't, don't trust them, don't listen to them. They're bad, they're bad, we're good, we're good. They've totally missed it. <laughs> They've totally missed it. The reason I say this to you is so that you will not lose hope. As a normal Christian, living out the normal Christian life, you can expect for you and your message not to be accepted by everyone. Some may even go beyond not accepting it and actually begin to persecute you. In his letters written from house arrest, and we'll talk about that in a second, what that actually means, Paul refers to himself as a prisoner for the sake of Christ. Peter, the disciple that we've studied before, was crucified upside down. Stephen, the disciple of Christ, was stoned to death. Thomas, the doubting disciple who was responsible for bringing the message of the gospel to present-day India, was martyred there for the sake of Christ. But what about today? Are Christians still persecuted today? Yes. A thousand times yes. The persecution of Christians has not ceased since the time of the apostles. Our persecuted brothers and sisters around this world cannot be forgotten. Some of the most modern stories that, I can, that come to mind, but maybe the more famous stories, are people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. A Lutheran pastor in Germany at the time of the rise of Adolf Hitler, who was imprisoned in Nazi Germany and killed for not confessing allegiance to the Nazi regime, but instead remained committed to Christ. Another person is, you may have not heard of her, but I know all the gal leaders have been reading about her, Madame Guyon. 
a 17th century French woman who was imprisoned by the French authorities by order of the Catholic Church for daring to write that a Christian should be saved by grace, not by works, and that a Christian should be in prayer with God at all times, not just when they are in a mass. That's crazy, right? On Palm Sunday of 2017, a bomb was detonated at a Coptic Christian church in Egypt by a terrorist just because they were Christians. It is currently illegal to preach Jesus in 51 countries, 51 countries, and in the 20th century alone, there were over 26 million recorded cases of martyrdom around the world. 26 million in the 20th century alone. Martyrdom, of course, if you don't know that term, it means being killed for being a Christian. Many years ago, we were at a SALT conference. Uh, this was our early years in Colorado. I dr you guys should go to SALT, seriously. It's, a, it's incredible. We were at an uh, early SALT conference, and we had a guy named Dan Bauman speak to us. He was from a ministry called YWAM. you probably heard of YWAM before. And D Dan Bauman had this incredible story. He was imprisoned for sharing the gospel in the country of Iran. And while he was in Iran, he was imprisoned, and he was beaten daily, tortured daily, but yet he loved his torturer, like Jesus would love his torturer. Every day, this guy would come in to beat him. And before this guy would start whipping him with a rod, he would say, I love you. And Jesus loves you. Eventually, that jailer got saved. <laughs> now, persecution, imprisonment, martyrdom, these can seem pretty far removed from us, right? We live pretty comfy here. When we go out on campus and preach, we don't get murdered or jailed. We live relatively safe. We can openly pray. We can openly have meetings like this. We have free speech in this country where we can say whatever we want. But yet, there are Christian brothers around the world that do not share these privileges. But Jesus said, they hated me, they will also hate you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So how does that look like here in the United States? You cannot expect for you and your message to be accepted everywhere. Making disciples, for example, is messy, and it's hard, and it could be heart-wrenching, and people that you've poured everything into will walk away from you, from you. You will get made fun of. You will get harassed. You will get treated unfairly by your peers and by your coworkers, your neighbors, and even your family members. In living out the normal Christian life, the unacceptance of the gospel is guaranteed. But although this may be true, we do not labor in vain. Our labor is not fruitless. We don't persist in the Great Commission because it guarantees us a comfortable life. That was never guaranteed. So I want to talk about this tonight. You can put this up there. There is joy to be found in suffering for Christ. There is joy to be found in suffering for Christ. If we go back to Acts 16, we heard about Paul and Silas being beaten and imprisoned because they cast a demon out of a woman. And if the story ended there, this wouldn't be that great of a story. <laughs> kind of be depressing. But what we're about to read, this is where the story gets really good. Verse 25 says this. 
But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately the jailer was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. That's amazing, right? God turned something that seemed hopeless and used it to save a lost man and his entire household. There is joy to be found in suffering for Christ. I'm going to be honest with you for a second. There may come a time where you have to suffer for Christ. It may start as a microcosm. Maybe in your family. You start following Jesus and you don't come from a Christian family. And maybe they, become, they begin to say things like, who are you? Why are you believing this fairy tale? They may go, you have a college degree and you want to go into missions? What's wrong with you? Wake up. They're going to start to say things like that. You may have your old friends that you love dearly. You love them dearly. And they may begin to mock you. There may be a season where you don't have many other Christians around you. But did you know that there is joy to be found in suffering for Christ? What I have found is that in those moments where I feel isolated and I feel lonely, I start to realize how powerful Jesus is. I start to realize that Jesus is there with me, that he has never forsaken me. You know, a lot of times we say, Jesus is all I need. But I really think the only time you're allowed to say that is when Jesus is all you have. And there may be times in your life where Jesus is all you have. G. Campbell Morgan, a great Bible commentator, he said it this way. You can put this up there. He says, the devil is always defeated when he imprisons a Christian man. That is the hour of the devil's defeat. The place of the cross is the place of the crown to a servant of Christ. When the devil and the world combine to persecute a Christly soul, they put him on a throne of power. So we know this, that the church thrives under persecution. The church thrives under persecution. You put Paul and Silas in prison, let the magistrates order bloody beatings and brutal treatment, give them to a jailer who will add to their indignity by putting them in prison and binding them with chains and stocks like cattle. And then what? Listen. Do you hear them singing in there? There is joy to be found in suffering for Christ. Later on in the book of Acts, we find Paul in prison again in Rome. And he's under what's called house arrest as a Roman citizen with guards locking him in. But it was from there that Paul wrote some of his most influential letters that we believe is inspired scripture. 
It was from house arrest that Paul wrote the books of Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, and Philemon. It was from a state of persecution that Paul wrote such things as this. You can put this up there. He says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, we don't see a worried man full of despair, do we? We see a faithful man full of hope and peace and joy. Now, how can this be? This is so against what the world teaches. How can it be this way? How was it that people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Madame Guyon, uh, another guy I didn't mention, Viktor Frankl, who was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp, how was it that Paul the Apostle, people like John Bunyan and, and even Martin Luther King Jr. And, and Dan Bauman, how could people like this keep their peace and hope and joy in the face of persecution? And I think it was because of three things. So these three things are free for you. If I go after these three, I'm going to have to start charging you, all right? All right. The, I think it's because of these three things. Some practical steps to have peace in your life. The first thing is this. These people thrived in persecution because they knew that they battled not against flesh and blood. And we were, we've already mentioned this before. Their persecutors, the people that were persecuting them, were not their enemies. So if somebody begins to persecute you, you can have peace knowing that that person who's persecuting you is not actually your enemy. Number two, they knew who their God was, and their God was bigger and greater and stronger than any circumstance. We know that. We, I mean, I was taught that as a kid. <laughs> Children's theology is really powerful, by the way. And number three, they, they knew that this world was not their home. This world was not their home. And I want us to really get this tonight. As members of the kingdom of God, we are on a foreign land. This world is not our final destination. We know that this world will pass away one day. And we are subjects of the sovereign kingdom of God. We are in the world. We happen to live in the world. But we don't identify with the world. We live here. But we live here as representatives of the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors. We're ambassadors sent from another kingdom to this world. This is where we get our name Chi Alpha, right? This world is not our home. If you suffer persecution, know that it was coming because you are not in your home. Our destination and our final resting place lies beyond this world. If you're a Christian, you are a foreigner on a foreign land. I mentioned Madame Guyon before, and, and she, was prisoned, she was in prison for 10 years in Paris. And I want to read something she wrote. I don't have this on the screen, but this is really good. She says this. She was really poetic, by the way. She's really great. She says this. A little bird am I, shut from the fields of the air. And in my cage I sit and sing to him who placed me there. Well pleased a prisoner to be, because my God it pleaseth thee. Not else, not have I else to do, I sing the whole day long, and him whom I most love to please doth listen to my song. He caught and bound my wandering wing, but still he bends to hear me sing. My cage confines me round, abroad I cannot fly, 
But though my wing is closely bound, my heart's at liberty. My prison walls cannot control the flight to the freedom of the soul. Oh, it is good to soar. These bolts and bars above to him whose purpose I adore, whose providence I love, and in thy mighty will to find the joy, the freedom of the mind. You see, there's joy to be found in suffering for Christ. So since, since persecution is guaranteed, we must, as the church of Jesus Christ, be prepared to embrace persecution. But we never battle against those who are persecuting us. If you have been wrongly or unjustly treated because of your faith in Jesus, we never hit back. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 5 to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. If you're trashed because of your faith, be a radical Christian and return it with love. If you have a coworker who openly trashes you because you're a Christian, Live the normal Christian life and lift them up in prayer. Now, this may hit, you know, home with some of you here, but if your family begins to mock you and threaten you and make fun of you, be a normal Christian and love them and serve them. Be a good son or a daughter. Be a good brother or sister. I had a friend years ago, for those that, that were around uh, last year, you remember a guy named Kyle, Kyle Volkmer. Um, he wouldn't mind me sharing this story, but Kyle um, Kyle's, was my college roommate. He was a good friend of mine, and um, he started dating a girl, and when he was dating this girl, his, uh, this girl's parents didn't approve. <laughs> and um, it's not that they didn't love Jesus. It's because they didn't want her to be a missionary, and they knew Kyle was going to be a missionary. And so they, classic, <laughs> classic. <laughs> and um, in fact, they were so against them being together that they didn't even show up to their wedding. And I remember I was an usher at the wedding, and I remember we were standing, um, we were standing at the doors uh, making sure that no one was going to come in and disrupt the wedding. <laughs> it, was, it was rough to watch. It really was. Now, the world would teach this. Well, just, just don't have anything to do with them, right? They're toxic. I cannot stand that word. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Can we stop calling people toxic? <laughs> I'm not saying that there are actions that are like poison to you, and I get that, and there are people that can really bring you down, and I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with people, that with best friends with everybody. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that let's not call people poisonous. They're made in the image of God. Jesus loves them. And they may not like you, but Jesus loves them. So let's just stop using that term, okay? I, I think we can all do that. It, again, I'm not saying you've got to be best friends with everybody. <laughs> there are certain people you just, it's okay not to be friends with everybody. You agree? But let's not, let's not call them poisonous, all right? Anyway, years later, they had been married for a couple years, and, and her parents had this giant flood in their kitchen, and it totally ruined their floor, and they didn't have a lot of money, and uh, they didn't know what they were going to do. Well, Kyle has a background in uh, contracting and construction and things like that, so he went over there knowing that her parents didn't like him and completely redid their floors for free. 
He bought all the supplies, and he did their floors for them. And he began to rebuild that relationship. This isn't what the world teaches, is it? <laughs> to serve those who hate you. To serve those who persecute you. Sometimes you and I need to burn a little in order to reflect light. Sometimes you and I need to go through some fires so that we can be refined. You know, uh, if you guys are a nerd like me, you'll know how swords are made. And you watch a sword being made, and it's one of the coolest things to watch. But a sword, the end product, what you don't know is that beautiful piece of artwork had to go through fire. It had to go through being beaten with a hammer over and over again and shaped and molded. But the end result was worth it. Sometimes if you're getting beaten... And if you're going through fire, it's because the end product is worth it. There's joy to be found in suffering for Christ. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, number one, in living out the normal Christian life, the unacceptance of the gospel is guaranteed. Number two, there's joy to be found in suffering for Christ. Now, number three, in the face of persecution, we do not compromise. <laughs> in the face of persecution... We do not compromise. I want to go back to Paul here. We know from biblical history that Paul was imprisoned at least three times in his ministry career. We read in Acts 16 about he and Silas imprisoned in Philippi. We already read that. If we keep reading in Acts, as was said before, we would read that Paul was imprisoned in Rome under house arrest. And this is found in Acts 23 through 28. And this is where he writes the letters of Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. We also know that Paul was imprisoned much later in life as an old man, again in Rome. And we can infer this especially from his writings in 2 Timothy. This was the last letter he wrote before his beheading. He wrote a letter to his young disciple, Timothy, who would become a pastor. So I want to read from 2 Timothy. I want to read the words of Paul as he's sitting in prison as an old man. This is a guy who is responsible for bringing the message of the gospel to the entire heathen world, the known heathen world at the time. He was responsible for bringing the gospel into the West. In fact, the church that you go to on Sunday can be traced back to Paul. So this guy is like a superstar. But yeah, at the end of his life, he's not a celebrity. Can, can I just say this too? That's also the normal Christian life. If you're trying to make a name for yourself in the kingdom of God, just stop. Because the only name we lift up in the kingdom of God is Jesus. I get so tired of Christian celebrities. I get so tired of Christian books that have the author's face on it on the front, but you don't read anything about Jesus. All we read about is how to be a good person and stuff. I'm sick of it. That's toxic. <laughs> now, the people didn't write it aren't toxic, but that, that, that stuff is toxic. Paul was not a celebrity when he died. He died alone and suffering and sick in prison. So I want to read from 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. He says this, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, 
Exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you being sober in all things, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In the face of persecution... We do not compromise. So my question to you tonight is this. Are you compromised? Are you compromised? What does it mean to be compromised? At salvation, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you decided to leave the old you behind, and you decided to let Jesus make you into a new creation. We've talked about this before, right? Salvation, at salvation, you become a new creation. You don't just become a good person. Right? You don't, you don't bear the same identity. You're just, you, you, your sins are absolved, but you're still the same person. No, you're completely recreated. <laughs> to get into the kingdom of God, they kill you. <laughs> and you get raised to life once you're inside the kingdom. Praise the Lord. But when this happens, so often we have trouble letting go of our past, including our old desires. And we let our, our culture influence us to the point of compromise. And we should open up our eyes to what's going on around us. According to the National Center for Health Statistics, an average of 1.21 million abortions take place in the United States every year. The U.S. has the highest abortion rate in the industrialized world. But we call it choice. We call it a right to choose. And it's held up on a banner as the ability for a woman to make choices about her own body. But what she doesn't realize is she's now killing another body. And humans are being killed at an unbelievable rate. The streets of the United States run red with the blood of millions of aborted babies. But we call it choice. Are we compromised? To compromise is simply this, to make concessions or accommodations for something that does not agree with a prevalent set of standards or rules. It's not just sin, it's opening the door to let sin in. Right? Compromise is not just sin, it's opening the door to sin. Oswald Chambers said, if we want to maintain personal intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ, it will mean refusing to do or even think certain things. The Bible makes it clear. God does not condone compromising his standards. Psalm 119, you can put this up there. Psalm 119, 1 through 4 says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Colossians, the letter that Paul wrote from prison, says this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We must not compromise. God's laws are enough. His standards are enough. In our society, it will become easier and easier to compromise. As our culture dives deeper and deeper into what's called postmodernism, have you heard this term before? Postmodernism is this modern thought that says there are no rights and wrongs. Whatever you believe, just keep it to yourself. 
Don't tell me what to believe. And they say that as if they actually believe it. Right? Did you catch that? It's, it's completely self-defeating. When you say there is no absolute truth, you're saying it as if, as if it's true. You, you, you catch that, right? We're absolutely sure that truth is not absolute. Are you sure? Positive. Absolutely. Postmodernism, as our, as our culture dives deeper and deeper into postmodernism, it will become easier and easier to compromise. We're going to start to care more about who we offend than, than, than offending Christ. <laughs> We're going to start to care more about what people think about us than what people think about Jesus. This is compromise. And the world will condemn you unless you compromise. But in the face of persecution, we do not compromise. The sins that God has laid out in his word, those things that break his heart and go against his design, we're going to be told to just accept those things. God tells us to thoroughly deal with sin. Society tells us to accept it. People are just the way they are, and we just have to accept it. To accept it is to compromise on what God says. You know, one of the biggest pitfalls to compromise is money. Oh, man. One of the biggest pitfalls to compromise is money. Can I tell you something tonight that money will not make you happy? Money will not bring you joy. Some of the richest people I know in this life are some of the most miserable people I've ever met. Some of them used to be in my small group years ago. And they've since chosen to make money the point of life rather than the pursuit of Jesus. And every one of my former small group guys that have done this are either, one, not walking with God anymore, or two, caught into deep, deep depression. Money does not make you happy. It may temporarily solve some problems, and, and, and by no means am I saying having money is a sin. God may bless you with millions, praise the Lord. But the love of money is the root of all evil. You were designed to love God, not love money. Money is just a tool. How stupid is it to store up a bunch of money and, and brag about it? Money is just a tool. What if you came to my house and you went into my garage and I had like 5,000 hammers in there? And, and you walked into my garage and I said, look at all my hammers. Aren't they awesome? You'd be like, I don't care about your hammers. Money's the same thing. Money's the same thing. I don't care how much money you have. Some of the biggest world changers I've ever met have not a dime to their name. Money does not make you happy. It all, a love for money will always end up making you miserable and empty. And it's been said like this. You can put this up there. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Come on. Right? <laughs> Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Let me say this. I am one of the richest people in this room, but you wouldn't be able to tell it by looking at my bank account. <laughs> I am a rich, rich man because of what the Lord has done for me. Don't let the love of money keep you from what God has in store for you. Some of you will feel a call to missions. After Mark's message last week, you, you really feel like maybe this is for me. But the reason that you're not going is because of money. You're worried about, I can get in this degree. Can't I just stay behind and send people? You can. Or you can just obey God and go. <laughs> and God will provide for you. I really want to go to Costa Rica this summer. But I, I, don't, I don't know how to pay for it. 
why don't you just let God pay for your trip? <laughs> and just, just, just agree to go, right? When God calls us not to compromise, we must think of it in the context of relationship. Why does he not want us to compromise? Because it opens the door to greater sins and hurting the heart of God and ultimately destroying ourselves. As a married man of 15 years, I have an amazing marriage to an incredible, godly, gorgeous woman. (laughs) A godly wife. And I have committed to be faithful to her And I haven't, nor will I ever compromise on that. But let me ask you something. What if I compromise just a little bit? What if I was just mostly faithful to Lori? It would break her heart. It would break her heart, right? See, to be mostly faithful to God is to not be faithful to him. Do you see that? To be mostly faithful to God and what he says is to not be faithful to him at all. We as the church, as the bride of Christ, we're supposed to be different. We aren't supposed to look like the world around us. We aren't supposed to be trying to keep up with the world and the culture around us. We're supposed to be counterculture. We really need to understand this. We need to have convictions. Men and women who believe in something. It's a rare thing today. If we, if we meet someone with conviction, it's scary. We're scared of them. We don't know what to do with them, but we need people of conviction, people that believe in rights and wrongs. A church or a, or a group of believers that have no convictions is just boring. They're gray and they're boring. To not have conviction is to be boring. It's not safe to be a person of conviction but it's the right thing to do. It's dangerous in our culture to have conviction. You get skewered and you get judged by people calling you judgmental. But the church doesn't exist to be popular and accepted. Leonard Ravenhill, again, he said this. By the way, if you ever, if you want some meat, <laughs> just Google Ravenhill sermons, okay? Ravenhill said this. He says, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. In the face of persecution, we do not compromise. So practically, what does this look like? How do we live a life of no compromise? So again, writing from prison, Paul says this, Colossians 3.5. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. That'll speak to us, won't it? Do you compromise? There was a musician named Keith Green. (laughs) Yeah, Holiday, come on. Keith Green, great musician, uh, got to visit his gravesite. He died in a plane crash, but it was, it was cool to see his gravesite and everything. I thought it was neat. But um, great singer-songwriter in the uh, 70s and 80s and came out with some incredible songs, some incredible albums. Um, and, uh, man, he likes, man, he sings songs that just make you uncomfortable. He, right? Am I right? <laughs> he says, he's like, Jesus rose from the dead, but you can't even get out of bed, right? <laughs> Stuff like that. He's great. But he has this album cover. You can put that picture up there. It's an album cover of, of his album, No Compromise. Right? Now, this, this, was a, this came out, and it has this, this interesting picture on the front, right? 
What, what do we see? We see uh, it's called no compromise, and, and what we see is this, uh, you know, this, this ancient Babylonian king being paraded around the streets of some city, and he's being carried by slaves, and everyone in the streets are bowing to this, 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 this king, right? And there's one guy, and he looks suspiciously like Jesus. We don't see his face, right? But he's standing up, and he refuses to bow, and there's this guard on this horse, and he's like pointing to this guy with these long fingernails, and it's, how dare you, right? No compromise. Do you know how that spoke to a generation? Do you know how that'll speak to us today? In, uh, in 1991, you can put this next photo up there. In 1991, a photo appeared in a German newspaper of a German man in Nazi Germany refusing to salute Adolf Hitler as he rode by in a propaganda parade in 1936. This man's name is August Landmesser. If you Google him, you'll see his story. Landmesser joined the Nazi party in 1931 in hopes of gaining employment, and he was a member until 1935 when he was expelled for marrying a Jewish woman. Landmesser had two daughters with this woman, and it cost him time in jail for dishonoring his race. Landmesser is believed to have served prison from 1938 to 1941, after which he was discharged to serve in the military. However, he quickly went missing and was presumed dead. I want to be like this guy. When the entire culture is raising their arms to some ungodly thing, I want to be the only one with my arms crossed, saying, I will not bow to this. Even if I'm the only one, and even if I'm threatened with imprisonment, I will not bow. I only bow to one person, and that's Jesus. I will not compromise on God's standards, and by God, we need more of that. In the face of persecution... We do not compromise. Praise team, you guys can come back up. Praise team. Praise team. Man. So how should we, as Chi Alpha, on our last, on our last entry in this series, on our last worship service together before the Christmas break, how should we respond? And if you're depressed about this, don't worry. Christmas party's going to be awesome. Yeah. Right? We, as soon as classes let back in in the spring, we start meeting again. So don't worry. We'll be back. Unless Jesus comes back, which would be better. Yeah. <laughs> then we don't have to endure this junk hole anymore, right? Yeah. Junk hole. <laughs> Hashtag junk hole. Yeah. So how should we respond tonight? We know from history that Paul spent a total of five and a half to six years in prison for the sake of Christ. And a few months before his beheading, Paul wrote the letter to his disciple Timothy. By the way, Paul was beheaded under the worst, one of the worst persecutors of Christians that ever lived, the Emperor Nero. Nero would take Christians, he would enslave them, and for entertainment, he would throw them to the lions in the Colosseum. And as these Christians were getting torn limb from limb, the crowd would cheer. This is what Nero did to the early church. And Paul was beheaded for the sake of Christ under the emperor Nero. 
About six months before his beheading, he writes his letter to his disciple Timothy. He writes his letter to his disciple who would soon become a pastor. And he's giving him all of his advice. You know, one of my hopes is that every time I'm up here, I give you, the, give you everything I have. Because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Totally. My hope is that when I'm with you, I'm giving you everything I got. I'm giving you gold. So if I don't arrive the next day, that the message will continue. I don't want you to remember me. I want you to remember Jesus. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to lift my name up for people to remember me. I'd rather you remember Jesus. And this is the same attitude that Paul had. This is why he says, this isn't even in my notes, this is why he said, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Do not forsake the fellowship. Guys, when we gather, this is why we gather. Not so we can have fun, not so we can fill a room and sing songs together. We gather so that we can give each other gold. We gather so that we can give each other our best. Caleb, I may not see you tomorrow, but I'm going to give you everything I got because I love you. That's why we gather. That's why we, that's why we say in Chi Alpha that we need each other. We need each other. We don't forsake the gathering of the saints. But Paul says this in 2 Timothy at the very end of his life. He says, For I'm already pour, being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. As we finish this semester... Let us go into the Christmas break as people without compromise. Many of us have stories from this semester about our lives being changed by Jesus. Many of us entered this semester not knowing Him, and we're going back to our families as a follower of Jesus. Maybe some of us here were backslidden, and you grew up in the church, and you kind of knew the Bible stories, but now you actually have a relationship with Jesus, and you're going back to the place where you used to live your old life. May we go back to our friends and our families as people without compromise. May we stand boldly like lions and lionesses in the face of those who would mock us. May we never be ashamed of our faith. May we never forget what the Lord has done for us. May we fight the good fight. May we keep the faith. May we finish the race, just like Paul. Let's all stand together. In living out the normal Christian life, the unacceptance of the gospel is guaranteed. There is joy to be found in suffering for Christ. And in the face of persecution, we do not compromise. I'm going to pray. 
And instead of doing the normal thing where we have staff members come up and pray for one another, instead of doing that, I want us to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to pray and I want us to do something. When I, was, when I first got into Chi Alpha, I walked into my first Chi Alpha service being raised a good Catholic boy, and I saw a bunch of people lifting their hands. And I had no idea what this meant. I was like, what did I just walk into? <laughs> what are they trying to summon up, right? What is this? Now, this, this thing right here, this thing means a lot of things to a lot of people. I get that. That's between you and the Lord. But one thing that this is... This is the universal sign of surrender. Hands up. I surrender. Right? It's the universal sign of surrender. And as I pray tonight, and as you spend time with Jesus tonight, I want to encourage you to do something. And if you're comfortable with it, I'm not going to... I'm not going to judge you if you don't, but if you're comfortable with it, would you lift your hands and surrender? It's the universal sign of surrender. Would you surrender to Jesus? Would you surrender your rights to Jesus? Would you surrender your future to Jesus? Would you allow him to be the Lord of your future? Would you allow him to direct your steps, knowing that he's going to stop you if, you if you make a wrong step? Would you surrender to your Lord and Savior tonight? Maybe you've never done this. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you, you've been fellowshipping with us for months now and you've never surrendered to Jesus, the one who, who John 1 says created you. <laughs> your creator, your redeemer, your Lord. Maybe you've never done that, but tonight is a great night to do that. So I'm going to pray, and if, 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 if you're all right with it, let's lift our hands together to the Lord. Let's go. Father, we are so grateful for what you have done in and through us this semester. God, we remember those early days meeting out at the outdoor theater, those early days where it was warm outside and we were worshiping in the public for all to see you. And many of us didn't even know what was going on, but we, we just felt compelled to come. Jesus, we praise you from, from where you brought us to where you brought us now. Jesus, we are so grateful that you have grown us, that you have shaped us, that you have called us out by name. You know each and every one of us. The Bible says you know how many hairs are on our head. You know us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. We were made in your image. And so, Jesus, tonight we surrender to you. As we go into this Christmas break, this holiday season, as we're around family and friends, would you make us men and women of no compromise? Would you make us men and women of your word? Would you make us men and women who want to fellowship with one another? Would you make us hungry for the things that we left back in Greeley so that when we get back together, we are so joyful together? God, would you do a work in us over Christmas break? May we come back hungrier than we are now. Jesus, grow us. Shape us. We are the clay. You are the potter. Make us into what you want to make us into. We surrender to you. We, we present ourselves as vessels, and we empty those vessels of all this worldliness, God, and we say, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Yes, Father. Jesus, we need you. We gladly leave our old life behind to be filled with you, Jesus. God, as we tarry on this side of eternity awaiting your return, Jesus, would you help us to live a life of faithfulness? 
never wavering in our faith, never compromising, loving one another the way that you've asked us to love one another? Would you help us to not gossip about one another and backbite each other and tear each other down, but instead, would you you help us to lift one another up? Help us to serve one another. Jesus, this campus needs it. UNC and Ames both need it. This is a lost people group, Jesus. Help us to love one another so that others can also see it. Jesus, we're desperate for you. We are desperate. And as we respond tonight, Jesus, meet with us. We want to sense your presence. We want to hear your word. We want to be led by your Holy Spirit. So Jesus, meet with us tonight, oh God. Meet with us. The risen Lord Jesus can meet with us tonight. We praise you for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We think about the cross. We think about the resurrection and our new life because of it. And we are so grateful. Father, forgive us for taking that for granted. Forgive us, Jesus, for for making that something that allows us to live however we want and, and, and living lives of compromise. Jesus, forgive us of that. We repent of that. We only want to be known for one thing. We want to be known as men and women who, who, who pursue after you, Jesus, who have a love life with you, O oh God. Yes. Save us, O oh God. Save us. Lord, we repent of our shortcomings. We repent of our selfishness. We repent of our greed. We repent of our pride. So many of us want to make names for ourselves. We repent of that, O oh God. And we only want to lift your name up, Jesus. We want to be forgotten about. We want you to be remembered. God, we love you. We love you. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Jesus. As we go back into worship, would you just find some place in this room? Maybe right where you're at, this room is a big room. Let's find a place and just meet with God tonight. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at XAUNC, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.